Centipedal centaur. Centipedal centaur. Welcome to the Grafters Podcast. Are we on? Are we live? I think we're live. Oh, Hello, Gary. Hello, John. How's it going, mate? It's uh, it's going well. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas, lovey. Ooh, I tell you what, <laughs> it's 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 interesting, isn't it, when you can't see anybody apart from your absolute immediate family on Christmas Day. It was certainly quieter. Um, <laughs> I did stay away from the computer screen. I must I must admit, I did so did stay I. away for one day. I had yeah. one day off. I, I didn't go anywhere near a computer. Um, the fact that I had my Remarkable and my phone uh, nearby and a Wii and the Xbox 360 and quite a bit of telly. But apart from that, no technology was in front of my face at all. No. And well, I got a, I got a brand new uh, computer chair, so I've got a, a really comfy leather chair now. That's um, really nice to sit in. i still got the... Wobbly one, creaky wooden one, but it's uh, it's comfy enough, and that'll do the job for me. So I spent most of Christmas Day putting the uh, leather chair together. Which is <laughs> <laughs> Did take a not while. an IKEA job. It was it was pretty painless, to be fair. Oh, that's um, all right. And then the rest of the day was spent catching up on YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Better than better than national television. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, do you know what? I, I there are times when I agree with you. Um, I have to say that uh, this that this month became, <laughs> December became a subscription month for us because we off, we 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 had I, I went straight to Netflix when it first came out so we've had it since since it first early days when there were like twenty things on the entire channel um, in the UK and then um, we got Amazon Prime because yep. of course we have Amazon we we get a lot of delivery from Amazon. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, well, let's just pay this and have not have to pay that much. And it, we thought, oh, that works out quite well. And then, of course, all the TV, so things like The Expanse, which I bloody love. Um, mm-hmm. and, and and then, and then of course, it was Netflix and that. And then we got Disney Plus so I could watch The Mandalorian. Same. Um, and, then, and then just before Christmas, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to have a month of BritBox. Oh, I went now. I went now TV. Oh, did you? Right. Yeah, that's the fourth one that I've got. And I, I used to moan about Sky Television's prices. Mm. And um, what with Deezer, because I have a Deezer account as well, I, I think I must be spending £60 a month just on subscriptions to, um, you know, to, to content. Now, I'm not being funny, but YouTube is free. And if you can put up with the adverts... Yeah, well, they're it's not a big good. stretch. They're not a big problem. No, it's pretty and good. Like, yeah, there's, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that I watch, I'm sure. But we're going to come back to that in a bit, aren't we? We are. We are. Yeah. We are. Um, but, uh, yes, yeah, so my BritBox has reminded me very quickly about the quality of visual effects on British television in the 1970s. Because I've, I've been watching Blake 7. Sorry. So, so you, were, you were watching Blake 7? I still am watching Blake Seven. Um, it's it's fabulous. I absolutely love it. But it's the way they teleport down to a planet. So they do the lovely, you know, was it CSO? So color separation overlay. So they have the person against. They have the characters against some sort of screen, and then they remove that and show the background, which is the teleportation area. And then they do this, and then they go all wibbly wobbly by doing some really crappy warpy DVE effects. Which when I was seven. Back in 1977, I thought was the dogs. It was um, <laughs> it was wonderful at the time. And watching it back, I still love it. Yep. 
Well, we, we've um, picked up Bridgerton on Netflix, which is an absolute brilliant period drama with some fantastic um, nods to uh, the charts. They've um, they've done classical covers of the chart music, and I thought that was absolutely we, brilliant. We started absolutely watching brilliant. it last night, and we watched uh, one and a half episodes, and I just thought, I'm sure I've heard some of this. this, yeah, this is, yeah, what that, is that's this? how we were. <laughs> we... Um, I'm on. Uh, I'm on episode seven, so I've not seen the finale, and I'll not give anything away. But uh, good. Yes, don't say another word. Yes. Yeah, def- definitely. We've really enjoyed it, and looking forward. It, glad it's been commissioned for season two. Oh, has it? Oh, fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. I, 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 we've got to stop doing this, right? Let's start. Let's start talking about <laughs> something important. Um, new skills, Gary. We were going to talk about new skills. Uh, today, I'm mostly eating snow. <laughs> Does that class as a skill? As long as it's white snow? No, it's yellow. But I has to make it that way first. (laughs) Lemonade. (laughs) Round the corner, chocolate's made. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I missed that milk. um, milk. Certainly the skills I've been... um, I've been having a faffing blender with uh, low poly modelling this this month. That's been something I've been having a, a dig at. Obviously being a high poly modeller. Um, I really struggled. <laughs> no, you keep... didn't. I've seen what no, you've no, been doing. The, yeah, the, the results were all right. But, I mean, in my head, I was really struggling how the process worked. Um, I mean, we're really old, and I, I think you started in NURBS the same way I started NURBS. Actually, I um, started in Polygons and then went to NURBS, and then, like everybody else, realised NURBS were a really waste, of, stupid waste yeah. of time. I started in NURBS. Yeah. Um, so I've always start. I've always. It's very rare that I would be doing low poly stuff, and um, but I think this is this is coming back to the to sort of the YouTube. So we'll we'll come back to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it did, um, uh, it was sort of um, kicked on, wasn't it? By what was I saying it was uh, kicked on by a, an article I'd seen mm-hmm. um, on Facebook, which was the uh, Andrew Price Blender Guru video. Oh yes, 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 um, yes. Where he's if no one if you haven't seen it. Check out Blender Guru's uh, YouTube channel where he talks about the making of A Cabin in the Woods and he comes clean with uh, some of the problems that are out there with YouTube videos and video tutorials in general. Including which his own. Are, yeah, including, including his own. Yeah, including yeah. his own. Where he talks about the sanitization of, of learning, um, where no mistakes are ever made and when problems occur, you're not you're not given the tools to deal with them. I think that that's basically it. Mm. Um, and he also gives a brilliant insight into how he goes about using his fan base to um, to support creative decisions and even change creative decisions that he's making. Yeah, which I thought was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Because what he's done is he's opened he's opened up how the community can act like the client effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which we're used to, obviously, the client that goes, mm, "Wouldn't it be good in blue?" <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, when a client changes something like the colour of something, that's that's what we like. When they say, "Oh, we've just got a couple of fixes," and they say, "The first one is, can you just change this? Um, I don't yeah. like that colour." And you, yeah, no problem. They're trying to say, "And now, can you spin everything three hundred and sixty? No, one hundred and eighty degrees." <laughs> and uh, we would like all the back doors open. Mm. And you're like, "What? What? what? <laughs> no, just a small change. Just do the whole thing all over again, please. And but just change that to blue." Oh, and we need it for twelve o'clock tonight. Yeah, but no, but they'll. But you have to deliver at six. Because yes. they've got to send it around the world to be shown yes. at uh, midnight tonight. But yes. they have to vet it first and then send it back to you at half past ten and say, can you just change that colour back to green? Yeah, we, we're not... We, the we blue changed the mind. 
Why did you suggest blue? Who said that? Oh, it was. Um, oh, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Um, it was a company director's wife. She's a big fan of aquamarine. <laughs> so, so that was the that was the thing that we've sort of been looking at. Was the this this month's been obviously two weeks off from uh, from work for me, which has been great. Um, yeah. And I've uh, I've just really been nestling down to learn some skills. Uh, mostly from my Instagram feed. My Instagram feed's full of uh, Blender uh, mm-hmm. artwork at the moment, and mm. uh, low poly mollies featuring quite heavily uh, Blender Fifty Two. They do quite a lot of uh, reposts on that. Yeah, and I just Blender thought, you know, memes the, the, are always fun. I just thought those 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 little uh, vi- you know the, the vignettes are they the, vi- are they vignette? what are they, I... what, are they, what are they called the dioramas that they put together the little orthographic dioramas are absolutely so cute they're unbelievable. Yeah, so we were to- we were talking about how do we go how do you go about learning something new? Mm. So, um, and I know you've you've got your Gen VFX channel now up and running, which is looking really good. Slowly but surely. Uh, certainly, from production quality values, I think you are way ahead of everyone else. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I think the intro think so. the intros are just so nice. Well, I do as, not, as I is the intro to our um, Grafters podcast. We try us Grafters. <laughs> Um, but that's the thing is, the, but that's that's it, isn't it? I mean, the the biggest thing in any pipeline, any project is you need someone who will do the graft, mm. <laughs> and I mean that in the FT rather than the PhD. <laughs> um, yeah, you need someone who will actually do the work. I mean, any, anything to do with pipeline, anything to do with how how we go about doing our job and what we learn. That's it, isn't it? The, yes. When we when we're talking about pipeline, we're talking about doing the job yes. and, and and i think that that efficiently it's yeah so that's all it is pe- people have these you know these buzzwords that roll off and i mean i remember i remember in the what 90s buzzwords were you know just everywhere that's how you sold products yeah and when i think when i think to what we're doing now with education and i think i think about um a lot of the education processes are now tied up with software platforms yes and it's oh you've got to learn this because the industry has this oh you've got to learn this and mm. what what and then the industry comes back and says what we're after is soft skills um yeah what we want is we want which and what i've said is don't call it a soft skill what you're actually asking for is a hard skill yeah. you're asking for resilience from from the artist or or the or the, the animator or or the vfx person yes. you're asking for someone who can take complete soul-destroying criticism and turning into something valuable at the end of it that says actually i need to get over myself i need to have a relook at this and i need to do a rebuild which is something andrew price talks about in his video he says that on many occasions he will have taken a project quite a way down a path and mm. then he will go back and rebuild the whole thing but rebuild it without the errors so a lot of the legacy of errors have gone and yeah. things are much more efficient and then and and I'm just going to sort of segue that into the way that you build your node networks uh, on the Planet Tutorial. Yeah. Where, you know, you, you're talking about all those node networks, and it's almost like you can see that, oh, actually, if we can remove that bit of, of the process by just replacing it with another bit of the process, and we've streamlined the whole thing. And that's yeah. that's what we mean when we talk about the job and pipeline, don't we? A- absolutely. No, completely. I mean, and that's what it is. It's like, I, I mean, I've worked, before I started working full-time for Space Digital, I've worked for a lot of different companies up in the Northwest as a freelancer. And prior to that, uh, at one company for quite a long time as a full-time member of staff. So, so, mm. so there was, and that was not including anything I did when I was living down south. So while I've been up here, 
I've worked with a lot of different people in a lot of different places, and they all have different pipelines. And everybody, and this is the question that everybody thinks. Everybody thinks it's, oh, it must be some sort of big softwarey thing. Oh, it's got to be something to do with all, you know, they've got like plugins and yeah, all different. And fundamentally, pipeline is all about the folders, and that's it. All yeah. it is, it's it's obviously west of west of saved. And how things are retrieved. Exactly. And how things are archived and what yep. are not archived. So there's always a scrapbook folder of some description or like a, you know, a reference folder which is purely there to be chucked away. Yeah. And then there's a versions folder and the autosaves are basically saved always everywhere I've worked. Autosaves pretty much are outside of the file structure. So they sit somewhere on, th- on the desktop and that's it. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think I was working at Sumo when that light bulb moment came on and it was like, I think we were using we were using shotgun um you know as as the sort of the check in check out software and, oh, yeah. and it was like you know it's just a, a glorified you know file asset management system and um, i mean and that's it it is a fi- that's exactly what it is but is it necessary and I, and i think but then when you look at certainly when i look at students and when I, when i'm you know when we're talking to students um, at whatever level, whether it be level three, you know, at doing their A levels, or whether it's um, students on on the final year of degree, mm. I would say that I don't think I've ever seen a student that's got the got it that's, that it's clicked inside of. Even though they've had five years worth of education, it's not clicked. That to be honest, we just want to see that you're very clean, neat, and tidy when it comes to how you deliver your product, whatever that product is, whether it be animation files or whether it be, you know, um, you know, your final renders or whatever it is, yeah. are they named correctly? So there's yeah. no silly naming. Just remember, because, you know, it might it might cause offence if you send a file around the world that's called, you know, I don't know, Jolly Big Thighs or something like that. Or because finally effing finished this whip, yeah. whip, dev, 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 yeah. dev, version 7.5 underscore 1B, yeah. final, 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 Four. Hey, and I, I'm just as guilty. B seven. I still, I still do it now with my seven. own personal work. I still do it now in my but, personal work, and it's like, yeah. why have I got something called Final Gold Copy There's, Four? The biggest, <laughs> the biggest pipeline. Yeah, no, I know it's stupid. The biggest, the biggest pipeline thing, the biggest pipeline no-no, in my opinion, is putting the word final on anything. Yeah. It should literally just be just be numerical. And if you have a funny, if if you're weird about the number between twelve and fourteen, then don't use it. Yeah. You know, it's, but it doesn't matter. It just literally, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Just you don't need a finished one. You just need mm. the one that is the last one, yeah, which will always off. be the one with the highest number. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, I've I've started using sign off as being the one that I save after the client said, you know, we're happy with it. That's the one that gets saved off, and I know that that's the final one. Well, then here's the thing. Exactly. What you do is, you, what I do is I save a version of that off. Yeah. And I don't call it final. I just stick it into the render folder. Yeah. So you're working. So if you're working in a... This, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like, you, you, it, it is literally about folder structure, about understanding the do's and don'ts of wastage. Yeah. And about being tidy. It is. And, and, but, I mean, there's, there are, I mean, there are some really good... I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't use asset management because it dep- I think it all depends very much on the size of the team that you're working with. If you're working with, say, 200 people who are working in lots of different departments mm-hmm. over a grand scheme, you need some solidifying thing and that's where F-Track or, or Shotgun 
or um, I mean, for crying out loud, even Trello. You know, yeah. um, and what was there was one I had to use one Asana. So there's you know there's there's yeah. lots of these things you know and 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 they keep everyone on track. Yeah. But on smaller scale jobs, there's nothing. There's absolutely no reason. There's nothing at all that says you can't just cope by using Google Docs yeah. and or, or OneDrive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You just need a place where you have a spreadsheet. Yeah. Which you know these are the numbers of all the shots. This is what happens in the shots. And this is the know, person who's doing it. How I'm glad you've you said spreadsheet it? because everybody gets on at me at work about my fascination with spreadsheets. Um, but the whole point of a spreadsheet is to logically see incrementations of yeah. things and to know to, to to add and subtract where you are and i mean a production is just the you know the all, all of the bits added up to make the whole thing whatever yes. that whole thing is and and this is why when we talk about i mean one of the biggest bugbears that i've got with education at the moment is the the fascination with pre-production it, it seems like you're in a constant state of pre-production but you're never actually producing anything and although i do agree that you should being a constant flux of change because that is that's the nature of creativity is to be in a constant flux of change you have to commit to something and if it goes wrong you have to be prepared to just redo it and you know what you know time is time is finite but you know when you've got when you're a student you've got a, you've got an abundance of time that's wasted on frivolous things mostly youtube to be fair um <laughs> which we'll come back to <laughs> it's not always wasted on youtube there's some it very isn't, good it, people who do some very good tutorials out there there is there is but and that was the other thing that andrew price was talking about was this this uh, ability to go back and redo something and not be afraid to say do you know what that's not working let's just do it again or start it over again and that's what i've been trying to do with my low poly modeling this this month which has been great and I've, I've just started this sci-fi cover series which is looking at retro 70s sci-fi covers some all the chris foss stuff and things like that oh yeah it's really nice stuff fantastic and, um, it kind of takes me back to when i was working at cool beans and we were working with people like nick percival and dave milgate in fact dave dave milgate's just been doing um he's just he's doing he's doing a podcast at the like a video cast at the moment he's doing right, yeah. he's, do, he's doing some sort of animation or He's doing some sort of art direction for a metal band in America, yeah. and and I'm going to apologise to Dave now because I did watch it and I did listen to it all day, but I'm not very good with heavy metal bands. I'll be fair. Can I just um, very very quickly interject with you, and this mm. and we'll keep this in the podcast. Do you remember a guy called Adrian Den? Adi, Adi yeah. Den. Yeah, Adi I do. Adi used to work with me. I know he did. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Adi liked me. Um, I don't think AD likes a lot of people. I think yeah. AD, I think he tolerated me. I love the man. I think he's wonderful. Um, I, I must admit, when at first, I mean, when he first started working, you could see there was like this. Probably you found the same thing, which is like we are diametrically different, and he's very much about the process, and really, at least he seemed to be very much about the process, and, and very heavily wanted to get everything right, and was great at it. Um, and I remember him saying that he worked at Cool Beans in the past, and I was like. Just to me, Cool Beans is just an expression for whatever that's going well. But um, it was fantastic, though. It was a good place to work. He's, he's, yeah, I can imagine. And he's a lovely, lovely bloke. I say, I really think. Whatever. And he, he went. Him and his girlfriend moved. They went travelling. Australia. They yeah, went to Australia. No, no, New Zealand. New Zealand. So I haven't Lucky spoken then. to it. I haven't spoken to him in ages. And hopefully, at some point, this will be out in the airwaves. And yeah. if he ever hears it, I just want to say hello, mate. I think we can both yeah. say hello, mate. Can't hello, we? mate. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not a knob anymore. <laughs> well, he says he's not a knob anymore. 
He's not as big a knob as Iron Maid, if that's any help. Um, <laughs> we've mellowed. We've mellowed out. I mean, it's, he's, he's it, yeah, yeah. The question is, the question. I think that I think I think Aidy's probably mellowed as well because he mellowed. I just think I found it, when he told me he was going, I was heartbroken oh. because it's like. It's like wearing a great, this is going to say a horrible analogy, but you know when you get a new pair of shoes and they're really tight and they're really uncomfortable and then after a while they soften and then before you know it, you know, you, you wear them and you're not even realising you're wearing them and then they get a hole in them and you've got to get rid of them. Yeah. And it's just, it was, it was, it was like a really, really comfy pair of shoes um, but just before he left and I was like, I don't want him to go because we'll only end it with someone who I, who's, it's not, it's not going to go well with. Um, but we, yeah, but I mean, this this was the whole point. I mean, when we were at Cool Beans, for instance, we had we had people doing like we were we were working with um, Simon Bisley, uh, Kev Walker, you know, all these great illustrators. And coming back to the, the there was just something about art. And I, I always remember um, I met Kev Walker early nineties when um, I was working uh, on a little games project called Unification uh, Mars Unification, which was like. It was actually done in Wavefront. All the all the animation was done in Wavefront, so it was absolutely that. awesome to work mm. with. Um, and I was a real, you know, snot nosed little kid at that time. And I remember Kev talking about how he went about the process of of blocking out using, I think, Cinema 4D or, or something like that. It was really random stuff, and we were like, "Oh, you should be using Alice Wavefront." It was like, "He was like, why?" Was it Lightwave? Uh, I don't think it was Lightwave. I mean, was it might it have been 3D Max. 3D yeah. Studio. It might have been Max, but he just said he just created lots of cubes, and then once he got the perspective in this forced perspective, he just then painted over the top of it. And I was like, "That's pretty cool, that." And, and that's what we're talking about. It it, it works. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking back to all what were the old soft, what were the software? I mean, we we talked about soft image last time, didn't we? Soft yeah, image. Yeah, soft but we, if, we, if we're just talking about the things that just hang around the edges, you know, like yeah. when it comes to this industry, Bryce is one of those. Terragen is one of those. Oh, Terragen's superb. Um, I don't know what else there was or well, there is. Well, there's Modo, but that's pretty, pretty, pretty mainline. Isn't it? It's more it's mainline now. Yeah, yeah. though it's, it's definitely seems to be becoming a one-trick pony. Um, yeah, nerves. <laughs> nerves. Um, well, no, actually, it's the procedural stuff it's got now is just brilliant. Um, yes, yeah, so that's, that's going to be my uh, my bit of a project is the sci-fi covers. That's going to be the project as we move forward. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, the projects that we were talking about, uh, if that ever comes up. Yes, yes. I mean, I can. Would you like me to have a quick mention about it now? Yeah, I think I think it'd be really. Are cool. you sure? Okay. Um, about, good heavens, how many years ago now? I would say somewhere in the region of ten years ago, I had an idea which came literally out of nowhere. Um, I saw a picture of an African mermaid, um, and underneath it was the um, words uh, "Mammy Wata." And Mami, M-A-M-I, and Wata, W-A-T-A. And Mami Wata is basically an African water spirit. And I started throwing around some thoughts in my head. I won't go into all of it into too much detail right now. Because it needs to sort of like be a bit more of a... I mean, it's all fleshed out, and, but it, but that's not the point. I don't, want it to, I don't want to tell the whole context of what the story is, because yeah. it will ruin it. Um, but I, I ended up coming across uh, some other stuff and had some ideas... I started seeing some artwork, but not really. It's not about the African mermaid. It's about somebody else and and their their strong connection, the strong familial connection. And it's and it's there's a lot of things that happen because of this familial uh, connection. And um, obviously, it all takes place. I say it all takes place. It takes place 
in two places. It takes place on the uh, African savanna, and it also takes place in the bottom of the ocean. And that's all I'm going to say about it, apart from the fact that it's a, a character-led animation that doesn't require anything other than sound and pictures to mm. tell the whole story. So you don't need any... Uh, there's no voices, there's no words as such. Um, I don't... Well, I, I, it's like I like the snowman, the really. We're, we're going for the snowman. Uh, Bring it up to date. <laughs> let's not go for this demo. Uh, you know, I was about to try and sing uh, We're Walking Moana. the Air, but uh, <laughs> Moana. <laughs> I might be able to sing like The Rock, but yeah. I can't Shiny. sing. Shiny! <laughs> let's I, I, go for it. I still haven't seen Moana. Oh, I know. I'm, I know. I'm a bit of a nerd on Frozen, actually. Uh, um, my wife thinks it's absolutely hilarious, but I really get excited about Frozen because there's I... so much. There's so much animation that goes off on Frozen that's just Do, just blows your mind. When Marie. Uh, Met your mum and dad. Um, did she? T- did your parents turn around and go? He's a bit of a fixer upper. Um, <laughs> no, it, my mum said um, he's a wonderful cook, but he's the messiest cook you'll ever meet in your life. Oh, good lord! And that is still true right now. Yeah, see, I, um, I have to say, uh, tidy, uh, tidy, uh, tidy kitchen, tidy mind. Not tidy desk, tidy mind, uh, but tidy, tidy kitchen, tidy mind. Um, yeah. Anyway, so the, so the point is that I, I've been had this idea for a very, very long time. And it's it has developed slightly, but only by small amounts. It's it's never been as like a huge like throw around this idea. Never is going to work. I'm going to change it all again. So you but told have, me about three weeks ago about this idea. Oh, I've had this idea in my head for over ten uh, years. You, you 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 walked me through it, and I went, I went away, and I, I came back, and I went, I want to do it. Yeah, I, thank you. I, I, that's that's no genuinely, I genuinely thank you. I mean, I I've told I've only, I haven't told too many too many people about it. And um, but when I when I I was told somebody else recently because I said I want you to learn Blender, <laughs> I want you to learn Blender, and this is the perfect opportunity because he wants to learn anyway. Um, yeah, I've got I've got Sedley learning Blender to be honest. Down in um, uh, is he is he? Well, I don't know where he's now. Sugar Hill, Sugar it, Hill. Inc. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people who are are making not so much making the switch, but they're stepping into into yeah, well, Blender. He's Cinema 4D. Well, well, his sons are. He's, yeah. His uh, his sons have gone into the three D side for him, but he spends more time in After Effects, as you know. But yeah. he did ask he did ask about you. He did tell me to remember him, remember you him to you. I always think about Sad. We we've never met. Uh, we've had we've had a telephone conversation once. We never met, but we both know each other, which is very I'm, peculiar. I'm really I am really good at actually getting Sedley to go to the Big Smoke. Whenever I'm whenever I've been down there, I've always tried to make make sure we. We meet up at some point, mm. and then and then I realise I'm driving when I get off the train. So Sedley doesn't drive when he gets off the train; he literally walks home. So he, yeah. he lives in Reigate. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, although no, his tickets are more expensive than mine to Doncaster. Which yes, is the mad. joy, the joys of well, it's the joys of living in London, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So the point is that, and and this is what John has suggested. Anybody who's interested out there, um, <laughs> is that we're going to make it. We take yeah, we take we take the idea. Uh, and I'm writing a shooting script at the moment, and turn it by using pretty much just open source software mm. into uh, a full uh, a full animation. And it's roundabout, but it's, it's going to be between five and eight minutes, no longer than eight minutes, or anything like that. Do you know what, that. Gary? This and is initially, be- I was going to do this all by myself. Because, sorry, John, I want to just make this point completely clear. I was going to do this all by myself, and this is the reason why it's never going to get done. So <laughs> <laughs> it takes a bit of an arsehole like me. To come along and go, oh I've, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. Yeah, it was. It was kind of like, and it, it initially made me sort of go, "How dare you? That's mine." 
Um, I don't want anybody else working on it. But actually, you know, the truth the truth of the matter is that, you know, I'll I'll very happily just end up with you know, a director's and story writer's credit on the thing. I will obviously, but, you know, but that's the thing. It's something that uh, I can oversee and make sure I'm happy with the results. But I'm more than happy to get other people to do stuff with The thing it is, Gary, we, we, we started talking about this in an open source conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I just thought, he's sharing. This is brilliant. This is an open source thing. Let's do it. This sounds brilliant. And then and then didn't really think about, actually, I've just taken somebody's dream and... and, and Basically exposed it to the world. Well, no, it's not a dream, uh, but it is a dream. It is. Well, I mean, well I mean, but let's, I'm, I'm telling too much again. Um, but but the, the whole thing is, um, I think, I think because we've got this Grafters podcast, and mm. this is what this is about. It's open source. Yes, I think this is going to be a fantastic shop window for the open source world. And though, and there, are, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm massively into the Astartes um, fan based Warhammer videos that are popping up on oh. youtube at the moment they're absolutely oh, they're amazing. mind-blowing they are and you know uh, and, and the thing is this guy's one person on his own doing well, there's this three there's three now but the oh, patrons yeah but, grow, was, yeah, three. Yeah, but, but it they, was originally really like, just him and it was, when the money got right he was able to like crack on and do all that stuff but every single one of them is just beautiful and on a on a frame-by-frame basis it's they're practically art you know, and and all of the little, all any single like a gunfire or anything that comes out of it is just. I mean, I'm, I'm Patreon. I, I am actually on the Patreon for that at the moment. The SRT. Yeah, I, I do feel as though I've got to pull my finger out there and, and put more money back. I mean, I was a I was a Blender um, Blender Cloud subscriber for over twelve months, and I just had to. There was a point where I just had to look at everything and go, right, what can I lose? <laughs> What can I what can I stop paying towards? Um, and now I use Blender. I still don't use Blender mostly for work, although I do dip into it quite a bit and use things from it. And because I'll, 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 let's be honest, we, I think we mentioned this last time. I know a lot of people who who are using Blender now to build stuff in, and then they they animate it and everything else. But they but the modeling tools are great, yeah, and they're simple to use. I mean, it is it's like as Infenzia says, you know, e to extrude s to scale, i to insert. <laughs> You know, and it is. There's a, a lot of modelling is just that. E to extrude. I think, I think there's e a bit of a shout out there. I think if anybody can, uh, if anybody wants to learn Blender very, very quickly, oh. subscribe to Infenzia's um, YouTube channel. He's he's an absolute joy to watch. His and Swedish is his, his English <laughs> is better than my English, and he is Swedish. He is Swedish, and uh, I think the other thing is as well. He's really passionate about what he does. Really and passionate. Yes. He um, he keeps everything to ten minutes. He does. He times it and everything, and he's just <laughs> a really cool, really cool guy. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're ruefully, woefully bad at timing anything. We're else. ruthless with our waffling, particularly yeah, myself. Are. Yes, I think um, yes, I think. Yeah. yeah so uh, Astarte is definitely a YouTube channel you should be subscribing to, mm. uh, and definitely a Patreon if you're into Warhammer and 40k. Definitely worth a look. I mean, but I think the the big thing is, I think a lot of Warhammer fans, a lot of CGI people, when the I don't know if you remember the the Warhammer 40k animation that came out that that. That long one hour, I think it was called Ultramarine or something like that. Mm. It was it was atrocious. I mean, it was, it was like, oh my god. Well, it it makes you realise that Astartes has has actually done what they should have done on his oh, own. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On his sure. own. On his own, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's actually I've seen the the making of clips as well, where he's actually he does he doesn't have motion capture suits. He basically videos himself diving around in his living room or, or outside. Which is the way most people animate, by the way. Yeah, and I used to call it... I mean, my students used to laugh at me, but I used to call it dirty mocap. It's reference. Um, 
it, it, it literally is. I mean, it's the best form of reference because you can eyeball everything in. But then you can do the artistic thing and exaggerate things and, and clean things up, which I think is always a big problem with mocap. Very quickly, just 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 to remind me, is he doing this in 3ds Max? He is, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. But you I was see, just trying to remember. The, the thing about 3ds Max is it's got a really good puppet tool that's built in that you can just you can just use and i think blender has the same capabilities yeah, yes yes it has the same capabilities it's just slightly more difficult to do uh which is mm. uh, after said good. can i just say very very briefly and i'm not this is not me um i i, I i've my i have done character animation I, I would not say i'm very good at it but i've done some and I have never done any in Blender, but I needed for the Christmas one, the Christmas tutorial. Mm. Yes, I saw your which, um, ra- your my reindeer rain- that rain- had one yeah. foot that never left the floor after the first step <laughs> um, that I fixed immediately. I finished <laughs> editing the book, uh, editing the video thing. I was like, "Oh, you Gary, you flipping idiot!" Um, so, um, <laughs> but but I but I I wanted it. I, ha- I wanted to rig this. I mean, mm. I built the model. I built the reindeer in sort of like. And you would it in like forty minutes. minutes, forty minutes altogether. It was just yeah, it didn't take long. But I mean, it was just a matter. It was like I knew it wasn't going to be difficult. Um, but I got I, I only had the image from the side, yeah. So that slowed me down a bit and forced me to make a few errors, uh, which I obviously corrected before before I, I rigged it. Um, but the rig was built from Rigify and it, and, mm. and 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 it's just, it was so lovely because it's not just a human being you've yeah. got the ability to to make, you know create if you wanted to create something with four limbs on the ground and then you know two pairs of arms uh, higher up so almost like um so like a centipedal centaur mm. like oh ooh, love that I've got to remember that um mm. centipedal centaur centipedal centaur and you know so you've got this sort of like, you know two pairs of arms and and or a or a centaurpede oh <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so Rigify, great, great, great little add-on. It's fantastic, for fantastic. I, I, I was absolutely blown away, and, and you know, mm. and once, and of course, granted, it's a low poly mesh. I did not have to change a single weight, mm. not one. I mean, that's one of the things that I find from just just really fascinating about the way that Blender does certain things. And I know we've talked about the way that Blender coders, the, the coders behind Blender, do a heck of a lot of cleanup on their code. Before it even gets to alpha stages, um, yeah. which is which is great, you know. Yeah. Which <clears throat> I'm not saying other software packages don't do that, but you know, <clears throat> but whatever. Um, you, you end up with this really. It just works. I mean, it, 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 you know, it, it, it's got a proximity. I mean, when I, I mean, I've done some stuff in Houdini recently, and Houdini's got quite a, a, a very very mature node network in there that does a lot of um, uh, logical calls for proximity of things. And then you can build. You can build from that. You can build meshes or or, or effects or particle clouds or, or or volumetrics or whatever else it comes out of, and and literally Blender's doing that in a very very low end way with rig, with things like Rigify and, and the way that it does its um, its rigging. And yeah. I always used to say, you know, nothing would beat Maya's rigging system. And I still say that Maya's rigging system is, you know, when you're animating with it, it's superb. Yes, yes. But, but, but quickly... putting the rig together is mm. a nightmare. It can be horrendous. But they they have a, they have the full body system now, which is good. I mean, it's not bad. Mm. But the one thing that I utterly utterly love about Blender's rigging system is if you then go in 
and make your bones bendy bones, mm. it automatically rebuilds all the weights on those bendy bones. <laughs> I've not done that yet, so. Oh, wait till you do that. Looking forward to that one. Wait till you do that. I know you're doing lots of low poly stuff. So, at the minute, basically, what I'm doing is trying to force myself to learn every single modifier. And, yeah, yeah. And that's part, um, of the re- that's part of what I've been, what I've been yeah, doing. Yeah, that's what you're doing on your channel, which I, I just I think that's brilliant because there's a tool awesome. I did find out, just quickly, I, did, I meant to say this to you the other day, but obviously, we've both been sort of like, well, I'll wait for you to pop up on Facebook. Before Christmas. I uh, before before I get in touch, otherwise it's always him again. No, um, not at all. No, John, not at all. You know that. You just listen. Just F nine. Get in contact with me. Yeah. F nine brings back the menu. You know when you click off of a, a a new thing that you've done. Yeah. And you click off it and it's gone. Mm. F nine brings it back. So you can edit it again. Yeah. So you know if you, I don't know maybe if you've made a sphere and you've yeah, decided yeah. how many edges there are yeah. and stuff and faces. Yeah, and I got, I'm sure I got, I can't remember where I saw that. It was, I was on a, I was on one obtuse video I was watching. I was like, whoa, just rewind that. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. But it brings us nicely back to what we were saying about subscriptions. Because mm. we wanted to go back to subscriptions. Um, I am going down our checklist. You, you know, so kind no, of, it's, good. it's good. It's good. It's good. I am yeah. like the voice in the box, aren't I? You know, get back on script. Well, the there's nothing script. wrong with, uh, there's nothing wrong with bringing something new to the table. I'm going to ask you now, mm-hmm. Gary, yes. how many subscriptions? Oh, right. Are you? <laughs> have you made? Huh? I I I think I've got. Let me just have a look. <laughs> I can tell you how many exactly I've got. Hang on. I've got 128 subscriptions. Okay. Are those all Blender? <laughs> um, I'd say 110 are Blender. Or or 3D oriented. Or, or VFX oriented, like Corridor Crew yeah. or something. Okay. Like that. Well, in that case, I can promise you. That in fact, I'm just checking that because I, I have got um, what is it? Seven on top of that is 193 subscriptions. I need to get my act together. <laughs> no, don't, don't be <laughs> daft. Of which, um, hell, I'm just seeing how many of these I've got. You know that. that oh, I've, I've. I mean, just to, you know, obviously, there's. I, I listen to a lot of music and stuff mm. when I'm working. So it's a music lab and Epic Music VN are at the top there, along with Nefensia. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bloom and Corridor Crew, of course. Uh, CG Cookie, Suede Neistat, Neistat, Neistat. I can't remember how you pronounce his surname. Then just the Blender one, and then there's one which isn't, which is Wheezy Waiter. I do like Wheezy Waiter. Well, my uh, my t- my top seven go on, are yeah. Linus Tech Tips. Yes, uh, where I get all my uh, sort of hardware computer porn from. Um, I'm I've sort of got into this. Um, there's a there's a there's one called. Uh, Thalasso Hobbyist, I think it is. Hobbyer, which is basically he make, or he or she, you never see the face, it could be a he or a she, you never see the face, um, makes uh, little uh, miniatures from scratch. And uh, I will share it with you, Gary, because it's so, so worth watching. Absolutely. But I was watching that to get inspiration out of the, um, the sort of the 3D uh, low poly stuff that I was doing. And then on there, I've got Default Cube, um, always good for a laugh. Uh, Says it as it is. Uh, <laughs> Pulls no punches. Says it as it is very quickly with no breathing. Infenzia is on there. Uh, nice. Gen, Gen VFX is on there. Who? Been, wa- been watching you a lot. Uh, oh, 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 that idiot. No, don't watch him. <laughs> Corridor Crew, uh, because we've, there's been some big updates on Corridor Crew for uh, some of the stuntman stuff that they've been doing, I think. And yeah. uh, Wimpy Brothers, which is... Um, 
a guy called Alex Jarrett who's rebuilding, uh, he rebuilds wrecked cars. Um, but this is a guy who I sort of um, um, actually got in touch with and did some merchandise for him because, and, and I didn't ask for any money on it. I just sent him a pack of merchandise. I did him a baseball hat, some hoodies and t-shirts and stuff like that. Because oh, that's nice. He, he was trying to get to a 1,000 subscribers, and we sort of went on a bit of a push, and he's now over the 1,000 subscribers. What I would say now is, Alex, if you're listening, um, the adverts come at the wrong time, mate. <laughs> They're just really oh, annoying. Uh, yeah, the offensive ones have started coming literally at the very, very end. And, yeah. and I quite like that. Yeah, I think if you just can sort out, just weight it properly, um, because then you're not sort of interrupting your flow when you're on it. But yeah, it's probably, is it, are they coming slap bang in the middle? Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, it that's just means he's been a bit lazy and he uh, needs to sort his stuff out. Have you got uh, Gleb Alexandrov? I have, but um, he's a bit further down. Grant Abbott's next on my list. He just may, just missed out on the top seven. And then Josh Gramble for his hard surface porn. Ducky 3D? Uh, uh, yeah, Ducky's dropped down, but I, I picked Ducky up on Patreon, so that's why. Um, yeah. I'm pretending not to watch him on YouTube. I'm watching him on Patreon because, D- Ducky, I do subscribe on Patreon. God, Ducky's not listening to us. No one's no, listening no, to no. us. If he does, he'll, he'll give the shout back, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I tell you With his else. hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah, there's a guy um, called Chris and Payne. S- ask, oh, en- sorry. ask Enki. Ask, ask Enki. En- ask Enki. Number 10. He's, he's good. Um... There's obviously yes, uh, CG cookies in there for me as well, um, mm. and there's a guy called Chris P, and I think he's he does tips, tricks, and training using Blender, and he's got twenty three point twenty about twenty three thousand um, subscribers, and he releases a video uh, pretty much every single week, and he teaches things about uh, uh, the reason why I found about out about him was when I was trying to thousand subscribers. Sorry. Uh, 32,000 subscribers. Yes, did I say 33? Mm, yeah, you did. Sorry. Well, you rounded up. You rounded up is what well, you did. Fair enough. Um, but I was learning I about the to. node system, the animation nodes. And I know CG Cookie, uh, not CG Cookie, sorry. Um, oh, what's his name? We just, we just mentioned him. Vendia? Um, no, no. Um, the chap who, who cuts out all his air gaps. Oh, a default cube. Yes, default cube. So um, he had a course at the beginning about how to do um, uh, the uh, all, all the all the all the node stuff when it first came out as an as, as a plugin for it, and it was it made a lot of sense. But I, I just also needed another one. Just I just needed another source of information. So this other this guy Chris P did a, a shed load of them, um, and. It was all about uh, yeah, anima- using the animation nodes, and it was just beautiful being able to like have another second set of um, another second set of videos that I could just watch and go, oh my god, that's fantastic! So my pipeline now, if we're going to bring it right back to the beginning, is model it first. Obviously, get all the modeling done, but I want to come back very quickly to something else in a second. But before before this, model it, UV it, rig it. If it needs rigging, or, or or rig it, even if it's if it's hard modeled and needs needs animating, um, animate, uh, do a render, uh, using probably normally cycles, and then pump it out as the XRs, and then comp it in After Effects. Because but I have just recently started using the comping inside of Blender because there are some things, there's some little things in there that you can do which are a doddle. Um, which you can't do quite so easily in 
uh, well, in After Effects, cr- oddly like enough. Chromatic aber- aberrations. That's, that's the one, it, mainly like, that. Yeah. It's like, wow, <laughs> that were quick. And then the it, fact that you can set the EV renderer to do it for you as well. Then Yes, well, uh, yes, the chromatic one, aberration. One, one pass. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's one of the most uh, the, the the fact that you can get motion the more passes out of Eevee is superb. It's yeah. great, but I, you, there's something you, you've you mentioned and and you kind of bypassed it because you said you feel as though it's something which is very much the big thing that everyone thinks you should be talking about and should be doing. And you said and you said it's not quite as important. I hasten to disagree, and I just mentioned didn't mention it at the time, and I'm going to mention it now, and that is pre-production. There is nothing, John, more important than pre-production. There because is. Because if, you're if right. you don't do any of it, you're if you right. don't do any of it, your production will end up falling into a pipeline hole. However, what I am trying to say is, if you, it, it's, it's kind of like when you're a student. When you're a student, you're you're force-fed pre-production by the awarding bodies, whichever one it is. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's Pearson or UAL or whoever it is. Okay. But I think the context of the pre-production gets missed. And the context of the pre-production is that when you're in pre-production phase, i.e. you're in your very early embryonic stage of idea generation, separate that out from pre-production because pre-production is getting your ducks in a line and getting set up ready so that you can actually put produce some things Mm. and and i think the problem that we face certainly in academia is um that we end we end up with almost allowing the the student to not produce something but to have had a great idea and to have taken that great idea to a point where if you handed it to a professional then it would have been created but what we want to do is we want to bridge the gap mm. so that there is this that there is there's got to be a stage where you cut off the and i'm trying to think of the word um when 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 you talk all the time about it and uh, you, uh, procrastination it's it's almost it is it's creative procrastination is what the talk is what happens and they're, they're talking about things that they've not tested mm. so therefore when it comes to the actual production phase, suddenly they can't meet their ideal dream and the whole production phase falls flat on its face because then the argument is, if I'd had more time, and this is the end when they do their, their diagnosis of why they've, how their product turned out, I would have learnt more about the things I wanted to do than spend my time actually dreaming up all these amazing ideas that just never went anywhere. Okay, well, I think that's a problem with education. I don't think that's a problem with the industry. Because no, and works... I never said it was. No, I did, no, no, I think, no, that's fine. I think, that's if we, fine. I think when we do the replay back, I was talking about education, and, and, and that's why I wanted to get that in there. No, 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 no. Because no, I do I'm... agree, you know, um, there, is, there is wholeheartedly a, a, re, a rationale for pre-production. And, yeah. it, and I would also say that some awarding bodies like UAL have got it right with the way that they say you should constantly revisit your your design process to reaffirm that the you know that the, you're going through the right you know can there be amendments made which is kind of what we're talking about when we talk about client feedback sure <laughs> although you don't have a client when you're working as a student and i think that's the biggest problem and again i'll, I'll go back to what um we were talking about with um blender guru where he you know he opened it out to his you know his viewers and said you know what do you think? And that was great. Yeah, just 
that's good stuff. I'm just mindful of time as well, Gary. I yes, know we had a break, no, but, I know we had a break, but yeah, very true. So what we are saying is that between us, we've got probably quite a lot of repetition on our playlists on YouTube. Yeah, and and there's a reason for that. Uh, it's that most of these guys have been using open source software, particularly Blender, for in production a lot longer than we do. But and and what we're doing is we're just upskilling our skill set to match what we already know in things like packages like Maya and After Effects and other things that we, we do uh, at probably a similar level to them, if if not better for you, certainly because well, you're still operational. Well let's not um you know let's not let's not let's not uh, push it too much. I am still operational but that doesn't necessarily mean that um, I mean I, 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 I see work by people and I'm just gobsmacked and I think how the hell did they do that? So it's like anything, mm. I just I've, you've got to keep on learning. So. Great segue there, Gary, into a VFX old and new. Yes, very much so. So uh, the, the reason why we're just going to mention this is because I was watching, um, you know, and Corridor Crew basically have nailed it. We both agreed with this just before we started recording. Is that Corridor Crew have pretty much nailed this? Like, here's old visual effects. Here's brand new visual effects. Oh my god, that looks crap. Oh my god, that still holds up. Oh my god, that looks amazing. And they have someone from the industry there to talk about it. And that's the reason, one of the reasons why we watch Corridor Crew. Uh, Because it's good, obviously. Um, I mean, can you imagine if Framestore did that? I'd be fascinated if Framestore or DNEG just just allowed some of their art guys to sort of like go completely mental on on other productions. Write that down. (laughs) (laughs) Write that down. There are people... We'll, we'll be calling people. Um, no, I, I, well, we will be at some point. But no, um, uh, yeah, I, what it was, it was all about what holds up and what doesn't hold up and why. Yeah. And, you know, if you watch Jurassic Park, it still holds up. Whereas yeah, if some you of the watch the second Jurassic Park film, days, but yeah. it's a painful exercise. It's a good film in its own way. But some parts of it just don't work because of the way it's been shot and the way it's been put together. Whereas in the first one, obviously you've got Steven Spielberg there who knows how to make a good film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like you know you've got a shot. Say there's 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 a lovely shot when the you know the lights have gone off, the two cars, they're on the track near the T Rex paddock, and there's a shot which is the camera looks up and it sees the great big head of the T Rex just like swinging above the car. The camera then pans down and the T Rex walks to the other car and because you've got the actual physical model here yeah, it, when yeah. you cut to the where the 3D where the 3D one is going to be you your brain sees the quality of this one while that one's going there and it's just yeah. knowing what works in terms of the frame and how things will always look great and that's an, a very good example but for me what it was that really struck me yesterday was I was sitting in here I was doing some design work for somebody just building some logos and I wanted something in the background which was just a noise that would just keep me going. But I didn't want to... I, I listen to a lot of ambient music and a lot of um, epic music and a hell of a lot of like work music that just I cycle out of YouTube. Just drop the picture quality because I'm not really interested in it. But I just wanted something which was a film that was just in the corner. And I decided on Netflix, on Netflix right now, there is Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I haven't seen it in ages and absolutely love it. And I kept finding myself getting drawn to it. And I couldn't get over how good the visual effects looked. And it's because there isn't a single 3D rendered visual effect in there. Everything mm. is been, has been done optically. And the best visual effects in there, 
very much like in Jaws, where the reason why the shark looks so good is because you don't see it until you see it when you realise it looks terrible, is there's a lovely shot, there's a beautiful shot of Richard Dreyfuss in his car, stopped at a a road section, and some lights of a car come up behind him, and he just waves waves them on. And instead of these lights sort of like going to the side, they just rise up. And as they rise up, another row of lights underneath come up as well. And then another row of lights underneath that. So this thing is like, it's a spaceship. It's not. It's like 12, 13 maybe different lights, probably nailed to three pieces of wood on string that are just lifted up. But it's not. It's a bloody spaceship. (laughs) Because your brain just does what it needs to do. Well, I mean, and, this this was the thing. I mean, I, I think I started the conversation off by saying I, I'd watched Guardians of the Galaxy one, full one, and I was ha- I was I was almost looking for the aged effects. Now that we're in obviously twenty, you know, we've just had Captain Marvel, and mm. uh, it, well, obviously we had Captain Marvel a couple of years ago, but, but you know, you know, the, the whole thing's moved on, and and yet because of the way that Marvel went about it, and I think Framestore were heavily involved with the VFX that were in uh, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, they, they, it just holds up. And it's because I think they... they and I, I'm, I'm, I met a guy called Remus um, when I was at um, uh, FMX uh, who worked at Trickster. And they, they were, he was... T- I, I just sat next to him in the audience and we got talking about um, Render Farms because I'd literally just bought my own and we were talking about Render Farms. And he was telling me about the, the cat in, in Captain Marvel. And uh, we we were we were sort of talking. And he was just telling me about the the amount of iterations they did on the cat's fur, and to the point where they they actually got rid of all the cat doubles. I think there's only one cat, real cat, in Captain Marvel, and the rest are all CGI. And but that's what you're talking about with Spielberg when you talk about Jurassic Park. The attention to detail was so finite on that film mm. that it it had to work. It, it literally had to work. And and I think the problem is that a lot of um, you know, um, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd say that you know, if 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 you look at Taboo, you know, the uh, the 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 uh, TV series that was on, um, that was uh, all the VFX was done by Blue Bolt in London, and they they had, you know, the, they had film set production value, and Blue Bolt basically did the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones. Yeah. You know, some of the big things. So they'd come off of sort of big production from HBO and then gone gone sort of down, but they kept that same standards rolling forward. And I think a lot of VFX gets lost because some of the teams on it, again, we're going back to production pipeline and everything else, don't fully, you know, understand the amount of work that goes into that. No. That, the, the creating those shots. Yeah. And being committed to those shots. There's, there's a. I'm not sure. Where, I'm not sure. I mentioned. I may have mentioned this to you before, but there was um, some chatter about Black Panther. Right. Have I mentioned this to you? No. If you watch the film, all the effects look amazing. Except the last shot when they're on the, the yeah, sequence yeah. when they're fighting on the on and that the train is on track. corridor crew. Corridor crew did a breakdown. Is that it. what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to, th- and I, I heard something else about it as well, and it was kind of like basically, it was a matter they ran of, out of time, time and budget. <laughs> yeah, they ran out of time. Mm. Um, but that's what I'm sort of saying, sort of to students as well. You know, this is the kind of thing that's almost a prime example to show the students and yes. say, look, here is the production. What an amazing film! You know, you've absolutely nailed. You know the 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 whole pre- premise of how Black Panther and the the, the character has evolved and everything else. Mm. You've completely complemented it with CGI, 
And then the final bit, no one remembers the end of the movie because it's like, well, it's, it's the fight sequence between the two protagonists. And uh, we, we, it's we meant didn't... to be the big thing. It is, and it's it's just not. It's not. No, and it, it, that's and it's a re, it's a real, it's a real shame uh, when mm. that happens. But and the other, um, the other, I'll tell you the another guy that's on YouTube that I'm I'm really watching as well is uh, Marco uh, Polo. Uh, no, Marco Polo. Uh, Matsovic, I think his name is. He's Australian. And he does a lot of Blender stuff. Um, uh, Markham 3D is his channel, and um, oh uh, he, yes, I he's, know. He works. Uh, he works in the um, Australian government doing visualizations and things. But he's using. He's just published something where he's using. Um, uh, he's using OneDrive and SharePoint in OneDrive for 3D space, which um, apparently Blender just fits quite well with it. So that's going to be something I'm going to be doing in the new year as well. Whatever. Look at that and see how we can get that moving. Maybe with our production, you never know. That would be well. This is the thing that would that would be wonderful. Um, yeah. But I think just very quickly, just before cause we're gonna have to yeah. wrap up pretty sharpish, I think. We are. But um, about the VFX old and new, you're absolutely right. It would be lovely to get a few people to get on board and just talk about things they've worked on. I can mm. I can talk about the one film that I've worked on. So that's that. That my, my frame of reference is pretty poor. But uh, mine's we, all either. Stuff that never really hit the light of day with Cool Beans, or yeah. um, or it's just games. Yeah, which, you know, it's not quite the same thing. But you know, I, but um, so I mean, but uh, I think my opinion on what makes good VFX last is a lot of it is to do with the planning. Yeah, well, planning, yes. Yeah, a lot of it is to do with the pre-production because you work out what is the best method. And then, or what is the only method? And then you commit and, to it. And then you commit to it. You commit to it wholeheartedly. And then also, I think that's you what's missing from the vision. education pipeline. The education pipeline is missing the commitment, um, being enforced almost as, well, a, as a sort of a as, as a almost a unit in itself. Yeah, I th- and I think you said it right when you said there's no client. And I think that is something which should essentially be rectified. The more, the, I mean, there's there's already a lot of people who take students straight out of university, or whatever. Mm. And they say, right, can you build this? Can you build this? Can you build this? Mm. Yes, you can build all those, right, come in for an interview. And then they get them in and they start them off in the bottom layer jobs. And then yeah. they feed them through the industry. So they feed them yeah. through that pipeline, with their own pipeline of how they create the people that basically reach those those higher level positions and the mid-level positions. And so there's a, there's a nice streamline of people traveling through the business, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. That's yeah, great because I mean, it gets I mean, people we- in. And we've got we've got some great work going on with uh, Next Gen Skills Academy through uh, Marcia Deakin and um, Phil Atfield, who you know who, who pulled together the industry frame store and all the other big you know the big industry people, and they are they are doing stuff now that works. It does work, but mm. a lot of it does then sit at the doors of. It's it's almost there's still a disconnect between the industry and education because they're providing a lot of stuff. Yeah. But it's that client. You're right. It is the missing ingredient. Is just that little bit of realism in telling someone that they need to crack on and get something done. Yes, exactly. And that's and that's that that is something that I think that would help. And it, and and the idea with this short film is we get it out, we get students involved, and I'm going to treat them like they're real people working in the proper industry. Mm. So I yeah. will be saying that's not what I that that is not what I gave you to do do it again yeah and if they turn around and say i'm sorry i can't do that again i'm i'm, I'm finished now i'll say you fine, can't do it that's it yeah don't worry uh 
you, that credit you wanted on the end of the film will not be there. Well, it's almost like we could give them a credit, but it'd be like the chum bucket credit. No, <laughs> we're going to need a bigger boat. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not doing that. But I mean, I, I just want people. I want people to appreciate. I want people to understand that if you're involved in a process, in a production process like this, yeah, I mean, you we, we need would... to be professional. Yeah, and we, we, I've got a couple of ideas about how we can actually reach out beyond. I mean, I'm not just talking about people that I'm actually dealing with day to day. I think there is, there's almost through the YouTube channel. Hopefully, we will be able to attract people to get to this. Yes, and then we can get on with it. So. Yeah. yeah. So uh, on that note, as it is New Year's Eve, it um, is when I we're think, recording this. Yeah, I think we should say Happy New Year, goodbye 2020. Goodbye. Tw- that was it. From that was that was that for me. Just that's it. I'm staying up to midnight so I can just give the finger. To 2020, yeah. maybe I, a bit of moon. <laughs> I, I am, I am, I'm so over this year. I, I, I'll tell you, actually, in a way, a lot of good things have happened this year, and I think it's the same with a lot of people who have. And, and something we need, we were going to talk about, but we haven't, which is that during lockdown, people have gotten more creative and yeah, gotten more definitely. involved in open source. So we'll do that. That'll be the first thing we do on the next one. That's that's the January problem. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, we've. I I, I think, apart from the good things which have been good, you know, I think, um, like deciding finally to do this podcast we've been talking about for a few years um, <laughs> and, and getting, getting out there has been, it's been getting, getting stuff out and stuff is great. Yeah. But apart from that, this year has been just, yeah, it's, bonkers. it's, 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 it's uh, hopefully it will go down as being the dark ages of the 21st century. And we, can, and we can we can hide it under the carpet somewhere, with the the lint and the pieces of dog kibble that's like vanished. <laughs> so well, you take care, Gary. And it's, you too, uh, mate. Happy an New Year! An absolute pleasure. Happy New Year! I'll, and, I'll, I'll uh, probably show, I'll probably speak to you tomorrow. <laughs> I'll speak to you next year. More than like oh, speak to you. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm only going to speak to you. Now. I'm not speaking to you anymore this year. Go away. Yeah. So no, um, so, so it's, it's goodbye from you, and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Bye. This work is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Any opinions stated during the course of this podcast belong purely to myself and to John and are based at the time that we record this. The theme music is My Everything by DJ Quads. If you like that, and I'm sure you probably did, there is a lot more of his great stuff which you can find at soundcloud.com forward slash DJ Quads or his music is also promoted by www.free-stock-music.com.